You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. For this Friday episode that is brought to you by MyBookie, use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at MyBookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and MyBookie will match 50% of your first deposit. So, Frank, we were just talking about this strange game where the Bucks eventually get a win, 124-115. Uh, <laughs> it felt like a typical Bulls game. I told you that we, we were talking about it, and the games last year against the Bulls were strange as well. But before we touch on, the, on this game, I just want to ask whether me and you need to sort out any differences because on Twitter yesterday, you, you first described my time in Wisconsin as a sham. <laughs> and I just want to say that that was around a pizza place that I'd never heard of in Wisconsin that you claim is great. But I can tell you from the Twitter reaction that I think that that, I think that is not a confirmed opinion by everyone. And then later on on Twitter, you came at me for not mentioning Rajon Tucker in regards <laughs> to a herd game. So I just want to know what's going on. Well, yeah, I mean, I so growing up, uh, my mom would take me to, to Bayshore Mall every Friday. I'd go to the, uh, I forget the name, but there was like a, like a baseball card, basketball card place that I would go browse while we waited for a uh, pizza at Rocky or Coco's to be ready for us. And then we'd take it home and eat it. And so that was like one of our traditions. And yeah, the uh, Rocky or Coco pizza chain, which is, I think it started in Madison and there's like a bunch in Wisconsin and there may be like only a couple uh, outside Wisconsin. There's definitely no, none in Texas. I think there was like one in Washington, the state of Washington randomly. <laughs> um, but anyway, it is, uh, it's funny. Like um, I, I, I tweet way more about it than I ever should. Uh, Cause it is one of those like nostalgic things I like to do when I come home is, is grab at least a slice of Rocky or Coco's as I also like to go to cops and grab a, a burger and a shake. It's just like a thing I like to do. Cause it's, you know, kind of, uh, like the fast food, bad, you know, bad for you type food stuff that I like to get when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm overly, uh, uh, you know, nostalgic about Rocky Rococo's. And it's funny, I only came to realize that like, it was actually liked by other people from Wisconsin, really, after like, in the last like few years, like, I didn't realize a lot of people actually enjoy it until I started tweeting and people would be like, yeah, it's awesome. But I'm not surprised at all that some people don't like it. I mean, it's a, ch- you know, it's a pizza chain, whatever, but I think it's legitimately good. It's like kind of thicker crust, but it's, it's not like Chicago deep dish either. It's, it's kind of more like Detroit style, but not exactly. I don't know. I imagine you don't know what Detroit style is either, but, uh, is that, the place, 
is that, is that the place that you went to? I know you came to a game early in the season last year and I don't think I'd met you at that point and you went to pizza before the game or was that not it? Was that a different place? I don't think, oh, well, I think actually, I think that game I went, I met, I think I met Eric and yeah. Jeremy Schmidt um, and Gabe Stoltz at a, like a new pizza place. And we literally sat there for 45 minutes and the pizza never came well before we had to leave for the game. So we literally went to a pizza place and didn't eat any pizza. And Jeremy, uh, who wasn't going to the Bucks game, then literally got all the pizza uh, after we left. It was terrible. It was a joke. But So I have no idea what their pizza was like there. But no, that was not where we went. But um, I think it's fitting that I'm spending this the front of this talking just about you know random pizza places I like because <laughs> this game was not anything to write, write home about. Um, as you said, the... I feel like there've been some weird, some weird games between the Bucks and Bulls here in the last year. Even though the Bucks have won basically all of them, um, and it had some shades of that early season game last year, where Jabari Parker came out and hit a bunch of shots, and the Bulls hit a bunch of shots, and they were up close to twenty at halftime. Or maybe it was twenty at halftime. Yeah. And then the Bucks kind of figured figured it out and and eventually won a game probably much closer than they than they would have liked. Um, but the Bulls never ran away and hid in this game in that like they did in that game. But I mean, the the three point disparity in this game was was crazy. I mean, I you kept thinking it would start to regress back to the mean on both sides at some point, but it didn't. The Bulls hit eighteen out of forty three. That's forty two percent. The Bucks hit six out of thirty three, eighteen percent. And you know, to be minus thirty six from the three point line essentially is pretty crazy uh, in a game that you're competitive in, much less win by nine points. And it got definitely closer than you would have liked in that fourth quarter. Um, But ultimately, I mean, Giannis had just like his pretty stock 38.16 rebound, four assists, three steal, one block game. Um, Just just ho-hum, just because that's what he does now. Um, Did miss... A nine out of a nine out of twenty free throws, so that was you know befitting, I guess, of this game. Bucks couldn't shoot for you know crap on, on jumpers, and Giannis couldn't make a free throw. Um, but at least uh, they couldn't do anything else with him when he had the ball. And, and Eric Bledsoe, I mean, twelve out of fourteen from the field, thirty-one points, eight assists, couple steals. Um, those two, I mean, sixty-nine points out of the Bucks, one twenty-four. I mean, they were obviously the engines of the Bucks' offense, and uh, you know. Certainly needed all of that, needed all of their efficiency getting into the paint, getting to the rim. Felt like Bledsoe could, you know, pretty much bully his way to the rim. Either either sprint by guys for layups or bully his way for kind of a, you know, body contested uh, short, you know, two-point shot whenever he wanted. So those guys were critical. I mean, no surprise. Without Chris Middleton, um, you're going to need those guys to step up. And, uh, you know, for the Bulls, I mean, um, very Bulls like other than those three pointers, I guess. Um, defense optional. It felt like they were disorganized, and this game had a lot of chaotic moments. Twenty-two turnovers for the Bucks, twenty for uh, the Bulls. So this was a sloppy game. Had a ton of bricks from the Bucks, but um, I mean, without Chris Middleton, uh, I think you know to a large extent. I mean, you're just trying to crank out wins and. Um, you know, keep keep banking those while uh, while you're waiting for him to get healthy. So, um, you know, again, not much to watch, not much to look at, unless you were obviously just enjoying the Giannis and Blood Show. Um, but uh, a win is a win, I guess. <laughs> 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 that would be the probably the, the most positive spin I could put on this one. 
Yeah, as I was watching this, and, and I, I tweeted at halftime that the Bulls were shooting 47% and the Bucks were at 22% from three. And I was like, well, the Bucks are only down by one. And this was never a game that I, I thought the Bucks were going to lose, mostly because the Bucks had Giannis and the Bulls, well, they, they didn't really have anyone. I mean, they had a bunch of guys just blazing away from three, but they didn't have anyone that you're like, okay, this guy's just going to decide that the game uh, is over. And, and clearly Giannis, with a lot of help from Bledsoe, as you mentioned, did that. But when you're looking at those numbers, I, I, this is generally when I see something like this happen when I'm on basketball reference during the game, monitoring numbers, because when you see something that, uh, see that disparity in the, in the three-point shooting, you're like, okay, how rare is this? And uh, I, uh, I looked it up and, and that is the first time the Bucks have won a game where they've shot less than 20%, a bull shoot over 40%. It's the first time the Bucks have had that and win a game since November 26, 2012. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you just don't win that many games with, with those type of numbers. And the fact that, that the Bucks, uh score 124 points despite only making six threes tells you that they were dominating inside. And there was no, it's interesting because when I was looking at the Bulls team with Thad Young, and if you think back to the Pacers days, it, you know, there was a game early last season where the Pacers beat the Bucks, and Thad Young probably did as good a job uh, as anyone on Giannis defending Giannis, particularly in the paint. And First of all, it's hard to to beat Giannis multiple times like that. I mean, it just rarely happens. But secondly, Giannis also doesn't forget and he gets pissed off. And when I saw him go at Thad Young in the games later on in the season last year and then tonight, uh, yeah, he, he looked like a guy that was not going to be slowed down. But you mentioned Chris Middleton being missing. And I think what we saw tonight with the 22 turnovers, and Chris can at times be prone to turnovers, but it felt to me, particularly early with... Dante that came into the starting lineup that the Bucks were just a little bit unsettled and rushed and you can say a lot of things about what Chris Middleton does but when he gets the ball in his hands and particularly in half court offense he generally seems to calm things down uh, he's one of the only guys in the Bucks team that you can just throw the ball in an isolation situation and he can get you a, a, a good shot and it looked like the Bucks were rushing things a little bit and probably just missing a little bit of that uh, Middleton's calming influence I guess on the offense yeah I mean the the you know, group of, of uh, uh, that was tasked with trying to deputize with Middleton out tonight. Not much to write home about. I mean, obviously, you know, Dante getting the starting nod tonight, which I thought was a bit interesting. Um, I thought Brown would probably be the guy just because, you know, he's similarly more similar to size, whereas Dante is obviously not a guy you'd typically put up against small forward. So Wes Matthews effectively becomes your small forward, and obviously he's I mean, he's a tough guy, but he's pretty small for, for a small forward. Um, so I thought that was an interesting call by Bud. Um, and Dante really didn't do anything for the vast majority of this game. He ended up getting a couple buckets. Um, I guess it was late in the third quarter, I think, um, kind of just on the break. But, but other than that, really not um, particularly involved in, in this game. Four points on two of five shooting, missed both of his threes, a couple of assists, five rebounds. Um, and Sterling Brown, 0 for 5, didn't score a point, did have nine rebounds, uh, and was a plus 10 in 21 minutes. So, um, you know, it was encouraging the bench, you know, look at those plus minuses. The bench wasn't getting, um, you know, killed or anything like that. Um, and I thought it was also interesting that uh, some of the rotations, you know, we were, I think naturally we were wondering, you know, Bud was really not staggering Chris, Bled, and Giannis very much to, I think, my chagrin and I think many of us 
who wanted to see a little bit more of those guys playing with the bench units. Uh, and t- tonight, I mean, early in the game, we kind of saw some some similar things, but um, but I think as the game wore on, we saw we did see Bledsoe. Uh, it did seem like he was trying to get Bledsoe and Lopez together more. Um, I think in the third quarter, I think Giannis played roughly like I think like the first eight minutes or so, and then I think he got Bledsoe um, to the bench pretty quick, and then Bledsoe and and Lopez were out there together, which I think makes a lot of sense, just because um, you know keeping Brook out there when Giannis isn't. I think is an interesting thing just because then you can kind of play Brook in different ways. You know, when Giannis is out there, you, you really want to use him as a floor stretcher for Giannis and spacer. Um, but when Giannis isn't out there, you can have him roll to the rim more. We saw another couple of examples of that tonight where Bledsoe found him rolling to the rim. And obviously he's got, you know, a multitude of things he can do. And just one out of seven from three tonight, he was not immune to the brickling that the Bucks are doing from three, but did hit five out of seven inside the arc to finish with 13 points. So um, again, I think that's an important thing as we, as we think about how the Bucks build diversity in their offense and try to, you know, paper over the fact that obviously, you know, you lost a guy in Malcolm Brogdon who was an important, you know, sort of driver and um, you know, part of the, the Bucks ability to get into the paint last year. Brooke obviously does it in an entirely different way, but I think, you know, using him in that respect is, is an interesting thing. And the flip side um you know, since Brooke was spent, you know, I mean, there was a large portion of this game as we started to see over the weekend as well, you know, Brooke plays just 21 minutes tonight. Rob, Robin plays just 11 minutes. Um, so 16 minutes without a Lopez on the floor. Ursan only plays 10 minutes and we saw a lot of Giannis with basically, you know, four wings slash guards out there, which is of course interesting because, you know, I mean, this is something for years we've sort of talked about like, Oh, you know, point center Giannis, like, why not give that a try? Isn't that something that could be really dynamic? And, um, you know, again, that was, I think, part of the storyline tonight as the Bucks kind of, you know, slowly over the course of uh, the late second quarter into the third quarter and the fourth quarter kind of wore the the Bulls down a bit and just, you know, eventually kind of just run ran roughshod over them. Um, spread, spreading it out, uh, running kind of pick and roll with Giannis in the middle, spreading out didn't necessarily lead to much better shooting for the Bucks, uh, putting, putting small guys on the floor, which is normally why you do that. Um, and typically the Bucks don't, you know, have to go small to have four shooters around Giannis, obviously, but, uh, an interesting thing to watch, especially, you know, I mean, the Bulls went small. I think part of the reason was just, you know, flowery Markin is the tallest guy on the court and you've got Giannis out there. Um, you know, you really don't need Brooke out there, right? I mean, you know, you, you can, you can go with a, a smaller, uh, smaller group and, and not necessarily give up a lot defensively and probably do a better job of, of covering out on the perimeter. So um, yeah, an interesting thing, I think to just continue to watch, like if that becomes more of a, more of a thing as, as we move forward. And, and certainly there could be some benefits to that in the sense that if you, if you do want to get Bledsoe and Brooke as sort of your, you know, um, staggered uh, pairing when Giannis isn't on the court, then then obviously that that would lead to probably more often seeing Giannis out there with uh, without a traditional center, especially given how how Robin Lopez has, has often struggled. Yeah, I think it's it's a good point you made at the start there with the rotation because um, it was certainly something I commented on in the first quarter that. Uh, it, it looked like 
business as usual with, with Middleton out and, and then the bench the bench sort of uh, crew came in towards the end of the first quarter. But yeah, they did mix it up a little bit. And I, I don't think that this game was really uh, one that uh, suited a, a traditional center or a guy or a Lopez, uh, Lopi, as you might like to call him. I, I don't think this game really suited him because Brooke wasn't hitting the threes, as you mentioned, but it was also just, I mean, there were so many turnovers. It was just up and down. It was at a ridiculous pace that the, Lopez wasn't really having a huge impact defensively anyway. So it made some sense to go small. But interesting when we when we talk about Middleton being out and we said that some of the guys coming uh, into the rotation or, or into the starting lineup, whoever that was going to be, might, uh, yeah, the Bucks might lean on them to do a lot more. But we also said that Bledsoe was a guy that we think is going to pick up the slack. And we spoke a little bit about Wes Matthews and what a weird night for, for Wes tonight. Uh, he finishes with 15 points, 13 free throw attempts. He only had three free throw attempts coming in on season tonight. <laughs> so, I, I mean, way, I could not, I, I mean, I remember him going to the line a number of times, but I had no idea until basically the game was over and I was looking at the box score. I said, he had 13 free throws. How the heck did he have 13 free throws? Yeah, it was strange. And um, it, it's, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to be something that, that, you know, I mean, he's not going to all of a sudden become a guy with Middleton out that's going to get to the free throw line. It was, it was interesting. I During the week, um, I was looking at some some stuff on, on Brogdon that, uh, for something I was writing ahead of the, the game on the weekend. And when I was looking at some of the, the numbers at on uh, cleaning the glass in, in terms of uh, – shot frequency at the rim which is something we spoke about a lot with Malcolm Brogdon who uh, I think last year off the top of my head was around 56% of his shots came uh, at the rim and then I was looking at uh, Wes Matthews and the last time that he even attempted more than 20% of his shots at the rim came in 2014 and it was still only 25% and that was the season before he tore his Achilles so (laughs) you know I, I don't know it would be interesting to look and see when was the last time that he had 13 free throw attempts in a game, but uh, it was just one of those weird things. I am I would guess that this might be the only time that he scores 15 points or more on the season where he makes one three on the on the night. So, yeah, it, it was interesting, but the Bucks kind of needed that when they were uh, sort of uh, scuffling through the, the second and third quarter and really just trying to keep pace with uh, Kobe White on, on the other end. Some of those free throws came in handy and just kept the Bucks scoreboard ticking over when they weren't scoring in the the way that we normally see them do from the outside. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is not going to go away. The the Bucks' reliance on the three point shot, or at least the reduction in frequency of of shots they get at the rim versus three point line. Obviously, you want to do a lot of both of those things, right? I mean, it's not that three point shooting a lot of threes is bad. I think we, you know, Eric and I spent years. Uh, dreaming of a time that the Bucks shoot lots of threes. Um, but, you know, I think, sure, you want to be greedy. If, if you had a team last year that also got to the rim a ton, um, as the Bucks did, then, well, you want to keep doing that, right? You, you don't want to trade, um, trade that off for, for too many, you know, for more mid-rangers. You don't want to necessarily shoot too many threes, especially because the Bucks are not a, you know, sharp shooting team from three, right? I mean, they're, 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 they didn't shoot a super high percentage last year. We saw ultimately that was probably their downfall against the Raptors when they, you know, again, stopped being able to get to the rim. They just couldn't hit enough shots from three. And so tonight, I mean, you know, to win the paint battle 70 to 32 to uh, score, including free throws. So rim plus free throws, 104 of their 124 points came either at the rim or on free throws, which is, you know, absurd. 
And if you told me the Bucks were going to score 20 points outside the paint tonight, I would not have projected a winning result, even even though I wouldn't have expected the Bulls to hit, you know, 18 threes either. But, um, you know, ultimately, this was a game that was played at a super fast pace. You know, as you said, lots of turnovers. That was obviously a big factor tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, as a result, I mean, the, the it only ended up being, I mean, this was kind of an average offensive night for the Bucks, one about a 111 offensive rating and then defensive rating 102.6, which is, you know, very good. I mean, it's certainly better than they were last year. I think maybe a little bit better than they were coming into this game. So um, that's kind of the, the, the way that these, these really fast paced games can kind of warp your perception of, of how the team played, you know, defensively and offensively. You just see those big point totals and you think, Oh, you know, it was, you know, nobody played any defense. Well, you know, the Bucks actually like, played some defense um i think part of the issue was you know chicago just hit a lot of threes i think some of those also were you know they i think they also got a fair number of open threes with the drive and kick game the bucks collapsing and and giving up open threes um but you know you talk about taking away the rim i mean certainly um that was uh, another big theme that the bucks you know typically rely on and it certainly was tonight just 40 percent shooting on two pointers for the bulls tonight so um not not a very not really a particularly efficient scoring night for the bulls, even on a night when they shoot 18 out of 43 from three. And I think, you know, again, the, the silver lining in this game is the bucks defense, you know, even with an outlier shooting night from the bulls actually ended up being pretty solid and offensively, obviously um, they were pretty solid again, pretty good, even with uh, even with all those three point misses and sort of win a game like this. I mean, again, you, you know, again, to, to win ugly is, is a positive trait to be able to do. You don't want to have to do it all the time, obviously, but um, certainly tonight was an example of the Bucks being able to do that. And, and again, with, without Middleton and with, you know, his, uh, his young uh, fill-ins not really making much of an impact, obviously, you, you know, you're kind of happy to come away with wins, even, uh, even though it, it wasn't necessarily pretty against a team that you do expect to win. Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the amount of points that uh, the Bucks scored inside in this one. And it's interesting. I, I'd be curious to see what you think about where the right balance is. And I, I think the Bucks are still seeking to find that. But when, when you look at the numbers, it, it's pretty clear. And to be fair, that a, a big part of this is simply Giannis's domination <laughs> in the paint. When, when, the, when you look at these numbers in those first four games, he was kind of stifled a little bit. His uh, efficiency wasn't up where... It we've seen it in the past, but it just if you look at the splits, and this isn't including tonight, but clearly tonight is going to help these numbers. But through the first four games where the Bucks were two and two, uh, they had twenty three point five field goal attempts uh, in the in the restricted area per game in the first four games. So that ranked dead last in the league, which I know you brought up a couple of times earlier in the season. Over the last six games where they went five and one, that went from twenty three point five up to twenty nine point two. Clearly, that's probably going to go up again. They were ranked uh, 13th in this last little stretch. Both times, the, the actual field goal percentage has been up above 70%. So they continue to be ridiculously efficient once they get to the restricted area, just that the volume is coming up. And the three-point attempts, only 33 tonight. And in those first four games, the three-point attempts were up at 44, uh, 45.9%. That's come down to 39.5 over the next six games and now only 33 tonight. So uh, I, I think that it's fair to uh, assume that the three-point attempts might come down a little bit with Milton out. He's a guy that was getting his 6.1 per game. But to me, 
it does feel like this team, outside of the first two games, where you remember they give up those big leads where you felt like the only offense they were getting was Jack and Threes, it does seem like they're starting to find that balance a, a little bit more now as the season uh, wears on. Yeah, and I'm just looking at um, th- this isn't this isn't necessarily the, a, a perfect metric because it's not adjusted for pace and Bucks have been playing at a faster pace. But um, points in the paint, they're up to eighth in points in the paint now, 52 points per game. That's one fewer than they were at last year. Um, and again, you expect them to be higher with just playing at a faster pace. Um, but uh, you know they're at least kind of inching back towards sort of where you'd expect them to be on the kind of high end uh, of things. So. Um, you know, that's generally a, a, a positive, I'd say, thing to, to see. And second in fast break points in the league behind the Raptors, who are at 22 bucks at 18 um, this season. So, uh, you know, that's obviously an important part of, um, of how to sort of compensate, you know, for if, if you don't have as many kind of natural shot creators in the half court, um, obviously getting out in transition more often is, is always a positive thing. They've been um, excellent on the defensive glass this year. And tonight, interestingly, they actually got a bunch of offensive rebounds um, as well, which has not been the case uh, at all this season. They had a 33% offensive rebound rate. They've been below 20% pretty much the entire season. Um, so picking up a bunch of second chance uh, opportunities there, obviously that that tends to um, you know bump up your your offensive efficiency as well. Giannis with five of the Bucks 17 offensive rebounds. Um, each of the Lopez brothers had three as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think you would have much preferred to see the Bucks make some threes tonight, uh, maybe do a little bit better, cleaner job of limiting uh, the Bulls offensively. And obviously, you know, fewer turnovers offensively as well for the Bucks would have been a very positive thing. Uh, this game would have been, you know, uh, fourth quarter garbage time, uh, probably – uh, pretty early in the fourth if, if that happens. But, um, you know, these games are going to happen uh, in terms of these outlier shooting performances, either uh, both sides in a worst-case scenario, but, you know, could also just be Buck shooting poorly and the other team shooting average. And so finding ways to win these games, um, it's it's important. And, and certainly over the next month where you, you don't have the security blanket of having a Chris Middleton uh, out there to, to to get you buckets, obviously is, is makes it even more important that you can, again, just keep cranking out those wins. Yeah, and probably just the last one on on this game. Uh, yeah, we didn't really go into the into great detail in terms of Dante coming into the starting lineup. I know you mentioned it was a little bit of a surprise, and when we spoke earlier in the week, I probably had him down the list. I probably had him behind Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton for guys that that I thought might start. So it'll be interesting to see whether Bud sticks with that. Obviously, a, a pretty rough night uh, for Dante tonight. He had the four fouls and. Not a huge impact on the game, but when I still look at the lineup that Bud went to go uh, with down the stretch, George Hill was a part of that lineup. You already touched on that they went a, a little bit smaller uh, with no Brook Lopez, and it was only that fourth foul that Dante picked up where Bud ended up putting Pat Connaughton into the game. But the fact that he was still willing to go with Dante, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, do you think that Bud is going to stick with this lineup for the next few games? I would say that he's probably got more faith in Dante that he's going to start him more than one game and he's not just going to bring him in and then take him out again. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see with all these guys we've spoke about them. They're not, I would say none of these guys that are going to replace Middleton are your 
uh, uh, guys in this roster that are consistently good every night. I mean, <laughs> they're going to have ups and downs at this point. It's what we've seen for them, uh, you know, over the course of the, the whole time that Bud's been here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I still think that, you know, if I look at it, that a guy like Sterling, just size for size, I mean, it, it probably doesn't matter as much when you're playing a team like the Bulls, but, uh, you know, I still think that Sterling probably makes as much sense or, or maybe Pat Connaughton as well. But uh, how would you assess Dante and, and whether you think he's going to stay in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I imagine uh, Bud will, will stick with it a little bit. I mean, Dante's been kind of anonymous for uh, the better part of a week now. I mean, he, really has not been good the last four games. He had that great performance in Minnesota, scoring 17 points in 20 minutes. A lot of it, to be honest, kind of second half garbage time or like kind of sneaky garbage time. Um, and then didn't score the next two games. Didn't score a point in yeah. uh, Utah or LA in 28 combined minutes. Only had one assist in those two games. Only has two points on one out of three shooting uh, with one assist in nine minutes in OKC. And then tonight, just four points um, all in the second half and a couple of assists uh, against the Bulls. I mean, you know, people, I, I think, understandably got excited when Dante was kind of making some threes and, and being aggressive there. Um, you know, not in the – we obviously didn't see him in the first few games of the season, but he had a nice stretch there uh, kind of scoring and, and doing kind of Dante stuff uh, for, <laughs> for a few games. And then, you know, he's looked like a young, inconsistent player again for the last week, really not, not doing a whole lot. So um, certainly I don't think he started because of – you know, what Bud was seeing from him the last few games. So I would have to assume that, you know, they'll have some patience and I give him at least a, you know, another game or two to try to figure some stuff out. And of course, when Sterling, you know, looks pretty uncomfortable offensively, I mean, he, he just, I mean, I don't know, just like him, his shooting tonight just seemed brushed. Um, uh, he had that one play, there was that kind of, was it at the end of the third quarter or the second quarter? Yeah, I can't remember. ran into the guy. <laughs> Well, that, no, he, there was that like bang, bang play. I think, was it the end of the second quarter where like he ended up somehow with the ball and like a wide open three and he had to rush it a little bit at the buzzer. Um, but he just like missed everything. And uh, yeah, yeah. that, that just seemed like kind of, I don't know. He just didn't seem to have any comfort level tonight. And, um, you know, certainly uh, you love what he can do, you know, as far as being on the glass and, and helping out there. Um, but, you know, again, as far as being a guy who, you know, you're looking for, I mean, obviously the big thing you're looking for with Middleton out is somebody who can, you know, get you baskets, make threes, um, show some playmaking ability. Uh, and, you know, again, that, that obviously is not something we really saw from, from either guy tonight and, and certainly mainly just in terms of shot making. Right. And I think that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing to be able to, as a young player to come in and, and, you know, have a good night, when things kind of go your way and you get some opportunities, you get some open looks and you hit shots. Um, we know Sterling and Dante can do that at times. Um, but to do it every night, night in, night out consistently, that's really hard. I mean, that's why Sterling Brown is never going to be as good as Chris Middleton. Cause you know, not to say that he can't have some, maybe some nights where he looks pretty damn good, but to do it night in night out, I mean, that, that's really hard. And um, so I think, um, you know, for anyone who, doesn't think Chris Middleton isn't very good. Um, you know, I think for better, for better, or worse, we'll probably, you'll probably get an appreciation for him over the next few weeks, just because it's, it's hard um, filling in for, for the kinds of things that, that he does. And obviously fingers crossed that these young guys kind of step up and maybe get a bit more consistent than we have been seeing, but it's a, uh, it's not easy. And, and certainly 
Um, you look go kind of up and down that bench. Um, not a lot to write home about tonight. Um, you know, Connaughton had a couple of threes, which is nice to see him get a couple of threes to go down. One of them was, you know, used every part of the rim. Uh, so maybe a little bit of luck there, but he also had three assists, a steal in 19 minutes. Um, Corver, uh, Corver is now like two for two and just completely blowing layups after great Giannis passes this year. I'm not happy about it. That one tonight was bad. And you could say that bad. he felt bad. He was like, oh, yeah. man, I don't want to be out here in the middle of the court with everyone looking at me right now. That was a beautiful yeah. pass, by the way. Yeah. But Corver, one out of five, uh, six points tonight. Um, were all those free throws off of technical free throws? I, I He had three three free throws. I, I know at least one of them was. Um, and, uh, you know, George Hill, who has been really efficient scoring early in the season, kind of a last-year George Hill regular season George Hill type game one out of five from the field in 29 minutes missed both of his threes three points six assists plus 16 right like that's a very like 2018-19 George Hill line right like (laughs) doesn't really show much initiative offensively doesn't score effectively but you know make some plays and the Bucks were for whatever reason yep they were good with him on the court they they outscored the other guys um so you know interesting kind of just seeing kind of, you know, with, with the opportunities that are going to be out there uh, offensively for your, or sorry, lineup wise for guys. Um, interesting to see a night where nobody really made a great case for themselves. Um, and I think we talked about the small lineups and, um, you know, Urson just 10 minutes missed, missed his only shot. Um, he has not been good in the regular season. I, all his FIBA Urson mojo <laughs> from the preseason uh, is, is apparently gone. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure DJ Wilson kind of eagerly sitting there on the sideline wondering if he might get a call with, with both Robin and Urson struggling to really make much of an impact or, you know, look, look particularly comfortable of late. Um, but so far, obviously, you know, we know Bud, we know Bud loves Urson. We know uh, they seem committed to playing Robin and trying to get him integrated. But um, at some point, yeah, I mean, those guys continue to play the way I have, obviously you would like to see DJ get a chance. And certainly with Chris out, um, you know, DJ is obviously not a like for like swap for Chris, but um, you know, with all the churn and, and kind of movement in, uh, in the rotations with, with a big, you know, your second best player being out um, certainly we'll, we'll have to see. I, I, I think at some point we're going to see DJ here. Um, but, you know, again, does that mean uh, he needs to see an injury to one of these other big men for that to happen? I don't know. Um, Cause certainly he's, He's been the one guy who really hasn't hasn't gotten much of a chance yet. Out of you know, out of the thirteen guys we thought might play this year, he's probably the one guy who um, you know we really haven't seen much at all of. Yeah, I do feel like Ersan, that leash. Oh, it's it's a long leash with Bud with Ersan. Yeah. But 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 Robin Lopez is the interesting one. You said again. I mean, his minutes are trending down, and if the Bucks are going to continue to go small, uh, I think Brook Lopez is a guy that. If anyone's going to lose minutes, it has to be Robin ahead of Brook. If it's going yeah. to be a big man, because Brook still actually does things that fit the offense when he's out there. So that'll be uh, interesting to watch. But when we talked about the schedule, and, and before we wrap it up, I just want to touch on this next game because it's clearly a very interesting one for for Bucks fans. And I, when we were looking at the schedule, and and I think tonight was. A, a mix of a couple of factors. First of all, the Bucks had three nights off and they looked like a team that had three nights off. Yeah. Uh, and, and secondly, yeah, they were, they were figuring some things out. And when we looked at the schedule and that the Bucks have got a pretty easy run in this uh, time that we expect Middleton's going to miss, the Pacers are one of the teams that it's a tough game. 
to go in there and, and they always play hard, even though they're missing a couple of guys themselves. I, I saw Aladipo was assigned to the G League team, which tells you he can't be too far away. I don't think he's going to be playing in, in, in this game or anything. But yeah, the Pacers are, are playing well again. And the Malcolm Brogdon storyline is going to run this game. And with the form that Eric Bledsoe has been in over the last week or so, this is going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, kind of how they how they play this exactly, right? Um, you know, the the Pacers had kind of an iffy start, but they're up to seven and four. They've had a pretty easy schedule by all accounts, uh, and have gotten you know I think gotten themselves back on track, kind of beating maybe some teams that they should. But they you know they also had a lot of. I mean, this team had a ton of turnover, right? For I think people underestimated just how much turnover this team had, and you know, part of that not having Oladipo obviously means that you're kind of you know leaning more heavily on a, a lot of guys that you you didn't even have on the roster next year. I mean, Malcolm, last year, I mean, Malcolm obviously the the primary one. He's averaging almost 21 a game, eight and a half assists, five rebounds. Um, his you know his w- with that heavier load, he's he's also um, not as efficient this year, hitting 33% from three. 47% overall from the field. So, I mean, again, not, not shocking that you would see some, some trade off there, but you know, he's still, I think about average or a little above average in terms of scoring efficiency. Yeah. He's 58% true shooting last year was over 60%, but um, still very effective scoring. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we, I'm, I'm curious to see him. I haven't really haven't watched the Pacers yet this year, um, but you know, Brogdon obviously is, is, I mean, he's taken the most shots on the team this year uh, for Indy. Uh, TJ Warren, obviously uh, another guy that's been important for them. Uh, he has started to kind of figure some things out as well. Uh, he's averaging almost 19 points a game for them, which you know, isn't surprising. I mean, he's he's a guy that's shown he can. He you know, he looks. I think he's. I don't think there's any surprise that he is a guy that that can score 20 points a game. And um, Demantis Sabonis also right there at at almost 20 points a game, over 13 rebounds per game. Um, you know, he, he is now a, a full time starter for them. And, and with Miles Turner, who's been injured, uh, he's obviously you know even more important than than normal. So. Um, so those guys are important. And Jeremy Lamb, too, 17 points a game from him, another guy that, that came over in the offseason. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is, I think, a very you know, interesting matchup for the Bucks. I mean, they, they have not faced the, the new-look Pacers at all, right? So I mean, this is a very different look for them. Um, but I, I'm definitely curious to see how they, how they match it up because, um, you know, I guess your starters will be Malcolm, uh, Warren, uh, Sabonis, and then I'm not sure who. Do you know who they've been starting with? Uh, with with Turner Hurt, I, I should. I yes, Samson. Jakar Samson. Jakar Samson. <laughs> yeah. It's a so is, is is Jakar Samson the? Um, I'm I'm curious. Uh, defensively against Giannis, do they? I mean, do they throw Jakar Samson? I guess on him, or you know, you could also potentially, if you're worried about um, Sabonis defending Lopez, you could also try to put on on Giannis but I don't know I I kind of imagine they'll probably go with Samson and uh you know I think you know last year when when the one game where the the Pacers did have some success holding down Giannis it was that young so obviously going kind of smaller to to try to defend him or you know kind of a more of a power forward combo forward type and Thad um so I would have I guess Jakar Samson gets first shot (laughs) at uh at Giannis but um you know who knows? Uh, who knows exactly how they how they'll do it? I'm sure it'll be a, a cast of multiple characters, and and obviously it's it's always a, a team effort when you have to try to slow him down. Yeah, I mean defensively, it's hard to see where the matchup comes. As we both sort of mentioned, Thad Young was was a key player in that. Also, Miles Turner, but 
Yeah, offensively, I'm curious to see how they score because we know uh, how well the Bucks defend the rim. And the Pacers are a team that don't really shoot from the outside. They rank dead last in the league for three-point attempts. They're only getting up around 24 a game. And even when they do shoot them, they're not shooting them well. I mean, Sabonis is at 27%, TJ Warren uh, 28. We already spoke about Brogdon down at 32, Jeremy Lamb 28. So uh, they're not shooting the three well, and they're not shooting a lot of them. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of shots they uh, take in this one and whether they're sort of coerced into shooting more from the outside and, and sort of settling for those uh, shots that they don't normally take. So, yeah, again, I, I think that, you know, for the Bucks. I expect that uh, with those matchups that you spoke about, I mean, with with the injuries that they do have, if Sabonis, if you're Giannis and you go right at Sabonis and get him in foul trouble early, then the Pacers are, are in big trouble in, in this one if if they lose Sabonis with foul trouble. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But uh, for the Bucks again, it's just a, another game where, you know, I think there's going to be a bunch of games without Middleton that they're just going to grind out wins and, and keep uh chalking them up because to this point i don't think there's been too many too many games from this team where you've sort of sat back and it's just been well put your feet up fellas uh this one's been uh, a cakewalk even tonight it just was a little harder than than you felt that uh you wanted it to be so yeah it'll be another challenge i think probably defensively the interesting thing is i mean you know part of the reason why i didn't really think dante made sense to start is because then you you're very small in the backcourt um, and especially against a Pacer team, I mean, Brogdon's obviously big for a point guard. Uh, you've got, you know, TJ Warren and, and Jeremy Lamb, who are both, you know, six, seven ish, um, basically forward, forward sized at this point. Um, so for both of those guys, um, or maybe Lamb is six, five, but I mean, he's obviously a bigger, much bigger guy than, than Dante, it seems. So I'm, I'm kind of curious sort of like what, what that means and again not that jeremy lamb's going to take dante into the post or something like that but size wise obviously um your backcourt is, is going to be clearly smaller than than the pacers if you if you do go with with the current starting five yeah i think that's i think that's an interesting point i mean again it, it would change i think if you were playing you know I, I don't know if the bucks were playing the full strength clippers whether you whether you're starting dante but yeah tj warren and jeremy lamb aren't exactly uh, sending fear into the the Bucks camp, I think, in terms of physically dominating them, and then with Lopez and Giannis behind them, I'm I'm not sure whether this is the matchup that's going to change that. But yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see because much like you, uh, I haven't watched a lot of the paces. I've sort of obviously read a lot about what Brogdon's doing and and the numbers he's putting up, but uh, they're not exactly a team that I would say that I'd go out of my way to watch. No, and again, I mean, Indy has been a team. I mean, I don't know. It seems like just a a grab bag. Like sometimes the Bucks just I don't know. It seems like there's been a lot of games that the Bucks just look terrible in Indy in recent yeah. years. Um, last year was a mixed bag, right? They have the one game uh, where they just I think it was in December where Giannis just couldn't get anything going. You know, Thad Young became the Giannis stopper for uh, you know a brief period, uh, <laughs> and the Bucks kind of just were terrible in that game. Um, and then they came back and. Um, and, and actually were really good. Uh, and Giannis was terrific in the second game in Indy and, and ended up winning that game. So um, hopefully you see more of that and hopefully you just continue to see the same Giannis that we've seen of late because, um, I mean, we barely talked about him tonight and he had 38 points and 60 rebounds. I mean, just, I mean, it <laughs> just kind of just tells it. you, right? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of keeps doing it. And, um, you know, it's just so hard to match up with him and just, you know, the way he punishes you 
uh, play after play after play. It's it's just a, a load. And tonight, 17 points in the first half. He he didn't even need to score. You know, all 30 of his points in the second half. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, again, we we spoke, we speak about it every podcast, but we seem to just gloss over Giannis. But he is just on he's on one hell of a tear right now. He matched Marcus Johnson for six straight thirty uh, point games against the Bulls. You would be a brave man to bet against him scoring thirty against the Pacers. But the Bucks did win one twenty four one fifteen. Eventually, getting over top of the Bulls and moving to eight and three. So they're now six and one over their last seven games and, and rolling along nicely, even if they still feel like they're not at their best, probably uh, defensively in, in particular. But uh, Frank, it's, uh, we've got to the end of another week. Have you got any, any final, final thoughts? No. Um, enjoyed Lee Ellis uh, joining you the last couple nights. Well, once he didn't join you for two nights <laughs> of, of podcasting. Um, but yeah, uh, would have liked to join. Didn't kind of work out timing wise, but um I've always loved uh, listening to Leave on the starters, the basketball Jones, uh, and now now no dunk. So glad uh, he was able to join, and um, glad uh, that that's probably the most we'll we'll hear about Australian rules football uh, on on this podcast. Um, but uh, you know, it was uh, it was fun to hear kind of his story, and um, you know, it's, I've I've heard a lot of it before, but it's it's always kind of fun hearing him kind of recount it because it's it's such a fact. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mean, I had a chance to meet Lee. I think in I guess it was in 2011, I guess, during the lockout when they did their, um, they did a starters at a, or the basketball Jones at the time did a tour um, of a bunch of cities. And I, I, I had known Skeets and Tass just through the internet because obviously, you know, whatever the internet at the time, basketball internet wasn't that big. And I, I participated in a couple of their like blogger mock drafts um, in, in earlier days. Um, so it was kind of cool to kind of meet them and, and, was able to grab a, a lunch with them while they were in Boston uh, and, and met Lee for the first time at that point too. And, um, you know, you know, Lee sort of is what you think he is, right. He's just a really great, generous, you know, super nice, but you know, we listen to the podcast. He's, he's funny cause he's like both like sort of a, a straight man, but also like the funny one at the same time. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, happy, uh, he was able to join you and, uh, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have him back again at some point this year. Yeah, it was a fun one. We uh, we ended up, like you said, I, I split it up over two episodes. But yeah, even even once we finished recording and before recording, we ended up just chatting for about two hours. He's uh, he's he's just unbelievably kind and with his time and and uh, yeah, he's always looking out for me, as, as sort of Eric pointed out a, a few weeks ago. So it's he's just a good bloke, as we would say. And uh, and I was I was talking to you the other day, and we're working on a couple of other guests. So hopefully next time you can be around for that but uh we will leave it there as we mentioned again the bucks did win 124 115 they now look to head to indiana and meet up with uh an old friend malcolm brogdon for the first time since uh last year's playoffs so for frank madden and myself kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys next week